uh, there were over 70 printmakers that we just sort of gathered together. And amazingly, we raised funds because we wanted to do something about the lack of etching presses in the country. Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. This is a bilingual podcast, so if you subscribe to us, you'll be getting episodes in English with me, as well as in Spanish with Ronaldo Gil Zambrano. Together, we speak to people from around the globe about their practice and passions in the fields of print media and multiples. Hello, Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products who've been offering a diverse range of high-quality products to your practice since 1997. If you're looking to add some pizzazz to your practice, check out their new line of additive glitter. Add a sprinkle of their additive glitter to any speedball fabric screen printing ink to bring a touch of shimmer to your next design. This additive glitter can be used in nearly any ratio, whether your sparkling vision is more subtle or dripping with scintillating shine. Check out the link in the show notes. My guest this week is Angela Silva. Angela is a printmaker living and working in the Philippines. We talk about the history of printmaking in the region, her unexpected path of coming to the medium, how you build a printmaking community through a network of 7,000 islands, and her very exciting projects on the horizon. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to get a taste of island life with Angela Silva. Hi, Angela, how's it going? Well, fine, Miranda. Hi, from the Philippines. Hello, hello. I'm so delighted we've gotten to connect through our mutual and wonderful friend, Kitty Kong, up in Chiang Mai. All roads, all printmaking roles eventually lead back to Kong. And that we're able to have a conversation about you and about printmaking in the Philippines. It's something that I've been interested in for quite some time. And I'm just thrilled and honored to borrow some of your time to not chat with me. No, it's great, Miranda. It's it's not as if I'm I'm like a real expert on printmaking here since I just moved here, but I've done so much research and reaching out to other printmakers, so I think I have a sense of where contemporary printmaking is at now. But historically, there's been over 50 years of printmaking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Before we dive into all of that, would you introduce yourself and tell our dear listeners who you are, where you are, what you do? My name is Angela Silva, and I'm a visual artist, printmaker, and cyanotype artist. I'm based in the Philippines, in an island about an hour and a half away from Manila, which is where most people know as the center of the Philippines. Manila is the capital city, and so I'm an hour and a half by plane in a, okay. on another island called Negros, and I'm in the Visayas region, the middle region of islands, 7,000 islands, so we have yes. to sort of be a bit specific. I know, I was going to say, one of one of many. How, how big is the island that you're on? Like, how many people... Oh, gosh, you got me there. I'm sorry. It's like, <laughs> they're about, they're about. I mean, is it just, is it 10,000? Um, is it 100,000? Just, yeah. Well, there's like, we're one of the most populated countries in the world. Sure. Um, 
next to, I think, Indonesia. So statistically, over 10 million. Well, I'm sorry, but it's like 100 million. But on the island, it's not as congested as, as urban Manila or as other major cities. The nearest city to where I live is considered like a third, fourth tier city mm-hmm. in urban size and population. So it's quite laid back. And I don't know if I can compare it to some of the places I've lived at in the States. So I, I, I found myself here in a community that's a little remote from the where the art market is established in Manila. So I, it's an effort. We consider ourselves over here as, as like regional artists mm-hmm. having to try to make it here and then try to get to Manila where most of the collectors are based. And, yeah. and the events, art fairs, galleries, major galleries. So it's still centered around Manila. For and, sure. Um, I'm a printmaker. What I do, I love the process of photo-based printmaking because it started with a collection of vintage Filipiniana, i meaning Filipino photographs since mm. I lived abroad. And I wanted to use, I wanted to use them. I don't draw well. And I don't paint at all, but I found that with photographs, somehow I could still use them in making prints and layering and and so on. So I still have to push myself to try to learn how to draw better, Mm. make better Mm -hmm. marks, whatever they say, mark making and all that. Yeah. And so where did you grow up and what role did art play in that time in your life? I was born in the Philippines in on another island, and then I grew up in Manila, went to school there basically until high, graduating high school. And then I had a chance to go to the States for college. So I left for the States for college, but I was a single mom by then. Hmm. And later on, I was able to bring my daughter, and we lived in the Bay Area for over 40 years. 20 years in San Francisco, 20 years in Berkeley. It's like I raised two kids, one yeah. in each city. <laughs> so th- in, in the Philippines, I really just grew up in a, we were very education and class status here. So upper middle class, good schools, private schools. And yet my mom was also a single mom. So it was, there was no real chance to indulge in the arts, but we were very well read. There were no strong museums or galleries that I was aware of growing up, so I didn't go to art school. Hmm. It was only in the in the U.S. that I would really look into works, because as it turns out, turned out my daughter that I raised, my husband also raised her. She's now a, a fine artist and a college professor of art in Berkeley. Lovely. So. Through that, sort of like I, I started to focus on what it is about making works of art, appreciating it. And then I took up workshops for the sort of the arts and crafts, like how to do things. I'd always been sort of inclined to try something different, calligraphy or, or whatever. So it started with, again, back to those photographs that I wanted to do something with them. And at the time, this is about the early 2000s sort of the arts and crafts market really took off, the scrapbooking market. Mm -hmm. And 
that was very encouraging for someone who'd never really taken any courses. So I started to do and dabble and, and play. And then I loved image transfers. That was a, a natural connection. Image transfers with photographs, so much so that I learned so many techniques at the time. And I started to teach them in workshops. And at the same time, there was also Polaroid. So I did Polaroid emulsion lifts. Now it's all based around photography or photos. And after a while, this digital collage making with layering started to come out with some digital artists. And I got very excited about that too. And I started to try to make digital collages, taught myself Photoshop elements, very simple. And uh, couldn't figure out, you know, with collage, it just wasn't as layered, transparently layered as I wish it could be, especially if I wanted to overlay text or other things. So then I said, what's this about, you know, printmaking? I've seen silkscreen. It can make layers. What's this relief prints, marks on top of photographs or painted photographs manipulated? So... I said, after doing some digital collages, I said, there's something about printmaking. So I, uh, in Berkeley, there's Kalaw Art Institute, and very well known, at least on the West Coast. So I looked up around 2011, there were these workshops being offered. So I decided to try my, sort of a, establish my own curriculum. And there's Intaglio. And I did Kazuko Watanabe's workshops. She had several. Oh, wonderful. That was with acid etching on copper plates. So that was very, very well-disciplined, well-taught. And of course, there was also photopolymer, photogravure. And then there was Ron Pocrasso, who was doing some great monoprints, but yet still using imagery. And um, Dan Weldon was amazing. And so I learned about photopolymer, solar plates, and so on. Rob, Robin McClowski was also a, was a digital collage instructor and using layered digital printouts, uh, inkjet prints, on top of and making monoprints out of them. So again, it's, it's all this layering that just kept me going. And silkscreen, I also tried one silkscreen workshop. So by the time that I, I was doing all that, I was saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to be a printmaker. And I got myself an etching press, and it was a Dick Blick etching press, two by three feet. And by then, 2015, it was like, okay, the real estate market's getting hot in California. My husband and I, we were in our late 50s, said, is this time for early retirement? Is there some other place we can move to and, and have another interesting 20 years, 30 mm-hmm. years? So we did. We moved. We sold the house in Berkeley and, and took early retirement, moved to the Philippines, to this island, Negros, Occidental, and uh, built a home that is a combined studio space for me, but also a double-wide kitchen for him because he loves to cook as a hobby cook. And that's our playhouse, sort of, our studio. And uh, I looked around the island, I looked around the Philippines and said, where are the printmakers? Mm-hmm. I, w- I felt lonely. I felt really lonely here. But as a visual artist, there's so many 
fantastically talented, very good painters, illustrators, drawers, sketch artists. I mean, it's it's amazing. And then the the tropical colors here in the Philippines. Of course, there's the heat and the humidity, but it, everything adds to that the the making of work that's visually emotionally different. Oh, emotionally. I also got back into researching my family, where I came from here, and stories and more photographs. And so that really took off. I mean, that got me on more thinking about my content now, family stories, family pictures. And then with an invitation by a local curator who was doing an all-woman show, she wanted to challenge us to say, well, let's do something that's not another not another mother and child, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of like exhibition, all-woman show, Madonna-like, mother-holding. And at the time, I had just started playing with this cyanotype kit that I had brought with me with my hoarded supplies. I mean, I had so much supplies that I shipped with me, aside from the etching press, that I needed to use them or or they would dry out or they would expire. And again, cyanotype, Printing is alternative photography using photographs. And it took off for me as a medium. And it was my works became quite well received during the exhibition and subsequent exhibitions. So I've been in an alternative photo show in Manila called Photomoto and a couple of other exhibitions. Then there's also wet cyanotype. So what I'm doing now is trying to figure out if cyanotype printing is accepted in the printmaking world. And I'm getting, I'm getting a couple of like differing attitudes about it. <laughs> Yet major printmaking studios are offering workshops in cyanotype printing. And colleges and universities also offer cyanotype printing. So to reconcile that for myself, I've decided to layer more print layers on top of my cyanotype prints or vice versa you know I'm just <laughs> play around with that and see what happens you won't let me in with my cyanotype I'll put an etching on it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah or, or I'll silk screen over it or, mm-hmm. or something else yeah I mean what's so nice over here is that maybe we're not so much printmaking purists because contemporary art making allows for a bit more experimentation, a bit more mixed media. So I'm, I've found this term called expanded printmaking that I just want to go after. And Kitty Kong did a, a wonderful little talk for our group here in the Philippines about that. He was invited to talk about expanded printmaking along with uh, some other major printmakers in Malaysia and in the Philippines. So we're trying to be active also around here in Asia, Southeast Asia. But my focus still is, you know, the 7,000 islands of the Philippines. Yeah, of course. That's wonderful. And, and when you're printmaking on an island, do you ever have trouble getting supplies in or getting what you need? Like I know from my experience in, in Thailand that's not even geographically isolated, you know, try to find a lithostone there. You'll probably be out of luck. So do you... Do you order internationally? Is there a local art supply store? What are the logistics of where you are when you're printmaking in a tropical island? 
<laughs> well, when I first arrived and I was starting to talk to other printmakers, I, I had to learn from them. What do they do? How do they teach printmaking in the University of the Philippines campus where they offer extra curricular classes in printmaking? They use offset commercial inks. Silk screen printing here is so popular because of t-shirts and merch. Mm-hmm. So I think with paper, they, they will just try to have basic good paper that's available. Because this is also on a student budget, on a university budget. But after a, a sort of passionate printmaker takes it on and says, I, I want to learn more, I want to do more, then they, they will be told, well, you should try the, mate, the better inks, the etching inks, because the qualities are better, pigment or the binders or, or the things that you can do. So there's relief and then there's intaglio and etching, but it's so expensive. So it's either we personal travels abroad, favors from friends who can shop. And what we have is this box. It's this huge box that overseas Filipinos, when they come home, they just bring like Christmas in a box year Mm -hmm. round. And uh, I've done that and filled it up with art supplies. Problem is still, again, is humidity over here. So we have to be careful about our paper. We have to be careful about our inks, not so much that they would dry out, but that they might rust in their containers. Uh, it's brand of living in the tropics. It's not easy. Everything has to be sealed in plastic with desiccants. We, we hope that with more printmaking ef- efforts and, 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 and printmakers happening, that the local art supply stores, and I'm working on on them, contacting them and asking them about adding more to their line. So there's just one line of oil-based etching inks mm-hmm. through our local art supply store, but it's expensive. So yeah. again, after student, after playing and learning with offset commercial inks that are so cheap, and we've got a version of Amazon over here in Asia called Shopee. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, Amazon has this program, and I, I don't mean to promote Amazon, but they do have a, a shipping program that's quite reasonable. But the dollars, dollar exchange is not in our favor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we do have a problem with affordable and accessible supplies. Yeah, but that also can breed such creativity and collaboration and problem solving I is what I found as you go Anywhere in the world, people will find a way to print. People in remote parts of of Thailand, it's just if you if you have to make it from scratch, you'll you'll do it. You'll find a way to to make printmaking happen. And and yes. so I think while it it can take longer, I think the innovation and the human and artistic force of will can really make some very cool outcomes that you wouldn't get if you were say at a place like Kala where. W- what do you want? Do you want ink? Do you want paper? Know. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just, it's all right so, at your fingertips. Yeah. So spoiled, so spoiled. <laughs> I mean, the US and <clears throat> Europe have it so good. But I think that we could also try and, and, and check out Asia. I mean, there are art supplies from China, Taiwan, Korea, mm-hmm. Japan, handmade papers. The papermaking industry in, in the Philippines could be resuscitated, revived again, because it was a very strong program back in the 70s to 90s. 
So it's a matter of just like taking the time and effort to try the supplies right here in uh, in Asia, regionally. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. Could you speak maybe a bit to the, the history of printmaking in the Philippines as you've come to understand it? Well, there was in the six in the fifties and sixties, there were one or two artists who one of them is Manuel Rodriguez Sr., who's known as the father of Philippine printmaking. It was sent abroad or went abroad and learned, I think it was through a US program. And then there was another artist, Hilio Pandi Aviado, major and and still practicing making prints here in the Philippines went to Europe and learned engraving and etching. And so there was a thriving history from the 50s, 60s, 70s, all the way till about the 80s, where it was serious. It was called the graphic arts. There were galleries that, and events and exhibitions that were mounted. There were, they were winning, printmakers were winning local art competitions, and it was called the graphic arts Mm-hmm. Then there's something I noticed, and I it's just based on my own readings, that as the artists, the major printmakers, would be using community etching presses, big etching presses, and, and I think those were either donated by cultural groups, maybe even by the U.S. in some programs, then the printmakers wanted to have their own studios and were able to build their own presses. But something happened where maybe the economy or the market or the time around the eight, 90s now, 80s, 90s, the printmakers could not support themselves as printmakers. Mm. So they went back to painting. And they're fine painters, but I think that's what happened with, in a way, community printmaking and printmaking as a fine art form. So the market maybe did not, was no longer interested in it, and so it would need more education. The Art Association of the Philippines is over 50 years, and mm. they've been, on a volunteer basis, is is trying to be active to make printmaking available again and accessible with educational programs, workshops, and sponsored and and printmaking events throughout the year. So that's where it stands right now. And I'm excited to be working with them. I'm a member of the Association of Pinoy Printmakers, AP for short. And so they're quite active. And then this one event that happened in 2021, where I was invited by a local, by a small museum, Fundacion Senso, that primarily was built to support the, the art and prints of Juvenal Senso, a Spanish-Filipino artist. And through their program, inviting also an online gallery called Cartelino, in 2021, we held a fine art print fair called Limbug Kamai, which is printing by hand, pressure by hand. Uh, There were over 70 printmakers that we just sort of gathered together, over 300 prints. And amazingly, we raised funds 
because we wanted to do something about the lack of etching presses in、mm-hmm. the country, and we thought that if we could just start building them locally, small desktop etching presses as a start. That's what the the same. That, that's one thing we all, we heard so often from the younger printmakers who graduated from the fine arts programs of the University of the Philippines. Without a press, I, I stop making prints,、yeah. or they make relief prints by hand. So it's it's something that we did. We raised funds, and now we have an etching press grant program that we're very proud of and excited to announce very soon. We found three fabricators, and so we have sources of printmaking etching presses to be made in on two different islands. <laughs> so that's the island thing, and distribution. <clears throat> so we're inviting some community groups that are passionate and interested in printmaking. If they would want to apply for a gr- for an etching press, be part apply for a grant. And this was inspired by Kitty Kong, yeah, and、uh, Chiang Mai Art Art on Paper Cap Studio because he had done this before, and he said that it it helped him establish printmaking among the younger artists.、Mm-hmm. He would he loaned out his small desktop etching press, and so I never forgot that idea, and、uh, I broached it and to this group, the Limbang Kamai group, and they said, sure, let's do it. So it took us a year to find, produce, and test etching presses, and now we have three built ones. They've been tested. We've got. I've sent out four invitations, and along the way, what was so amazing was that there's now a, a, a donor program that I wasn't expecting it to happen. But Fundacion Sanso is is acquiring, paying, and buying a, an etching press to donate. To an art school in another、uh, island, in another province, and a major printmaker who has is donating an etching press.、Uh, that's Elmer Berlong, and the par- painter and printmaker that I mentioned, who is a big supporter also of printmaking. He's establishing his own <clears throat> Pasilio Press, which is something to look forward to. He is donating an etching press to a residency program for the arts on another island called Linangan Art Residency, and it's amazing because it's a matter of connecting people and printmakers to go and and do workshops. So it, there's going to be like a, a partnership, and I hope a database of printmakers located near you. You know, so、yeah. I'm mapping out now. Where all these printmaking centers might happen, where printmakers who would be willing to travel and teach and do workshops might be located. So, like, okay, I'll send you there to that address. <laughs> oh, I'll send you north. Would you like to go north? And then along the way, hoping maybe that maybe a couple of residency locations might pop up. There's an art fair Philippines that raises. That has a major art event, art fair every year in February, Arts Month, and now they've been conducting a residency program on five locations. So I hope to get in with a printmaking residency program Absolutely, yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's Limbang Kamai where it's at now, and that's something that we're so excited to 
announced very shortly, and it'll be it'll be trying to advance the skill level also of printmakers. So yeah, I I, I hope to announce that very soon. Oh, that's so exciting! Yeah. And and so you you mentioned Elmer, and you know he's already an artist with a national international profile, but he actually came to printmaking pretty recently, correct? Like he got interested during the pandemic. Yes, yes, and he taught himself printmaking, but he also has so many friends who are printmakers. So he had this great resource, mm-hmm. and. All of a sudden, and and I think that's how Elmer works, is he'll just do it. And he does it so well because he's such a good drawer, painter, illustrator. And then I guess with lockdown, no, he had materials nearby and he just taught himself. So when we connected with him for Limbang Kamai for the art fair, he was one of our biggest supporters Mm -hmm. and has brought a whole group of artist friends and art-based collectors also and introduced them to his to printmaking through his prints. And so I was very fortunate also to host, rather organize, a special fine art printmaking booth at an art fair in Manila last year in July. And so <clears throat> there were I selected five artists, printmakers. Elmer and another one, Maya Munoz, had also taught herself. She's a major a great painter. But when I told her about silkscreen and I said, Maya, this would be great for you because you could, you, you wanted to, your, your use of colors and, and figures is so strong and so good. What about printmaking and silkscreen? And she said, yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about color separation. I said, yeah, yeah, you got to do this. So I was sending her links. And now, I mean, Wow, I, I, I don't want to give away any previews that Maya's working on, but that's another artist on another island. Mm-hmm. And then since through those meeting with other artists who are not printmakers, now they're getting this awareness because friends are talking, Elmer and Maya are talking about printmaking, that there's a momentum happening and it's, it's building up. And if, if it can be something that would simply be exposing printmaking as a medium to more people, that's that's going to be exciting over the next couple of years. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like you're really on the precipice of what could be a print renaissance in the Philippines with these major artists getting involved, the inner island network like kind of coming together, the etching press grant, all of that kind of thing that it really could get some good momentum. And if you could get places where people could come and teach, you could get outside yeah. teachers, people within the Philippines residencies, yeah. Yeah. it could really turn into a, a, a printmaking hub of, in, in Southeast Asia. Well, that would be lovely. That would be ideal. But we having to start first with the basics. Printmaking is actually in the National Department of Education curriculum, but the teachers don't know how to teach printmaking. Hmm. So there are institutions here, museums and corporate sponsors who are willing to support uh, the arts through education programs. And that would mean developing workshops for teachers, public school teachers. So Hmm. I know that there's an upcoming event in October with an institution 
on an island close to me. Again, I'm not giving away too much just yet, but they will always they always ask for a community educational component programming. And because they do, the likelihood of getting corporate sponsors is is stronger. So that's one thing. The other thing would be hoping that maybe cultural groups, international cultural groups, they used to sponsor the the French consulate, the mm-hmm. German consulate, Italy, United States, Japan, in the 70s, 80s, were sponsoring programs in printmaking. Mm. Well, maybe, like you said, another renaissance and goodwill among different groups, cultural groups, international groups could also happen. And so you were saying that it's that printmaking is part of the national curriculum, but people might not know how to teach it. Is it not, can you not find it in, in universities? Are there university print shops in a, in a large city like Manila? Well, I could only identify two universities that have etching presses. And I could be wrong, and I hope someone will correct me when they hear this, that mm-hmm. it's the University of the Philippines, the Fine Arts Department. And they have such strong, committed printmakers. There's Ambi Abano, the leading woodcut uh, printmaker, and she teaches all the vet courses, almost all the courses of, of printmaking, fine art printmaking at UP. And so may, uh, many of the graduates from UP you know, love printmaking, but then they stop doing it. The other one is the Philippine Women's University. And when I mentioned Manuel Rodriguez Sr. earlier, he had actually, I think, developed the printmaking program at Philippine Women's University, and they've got etching presses. So they offer workshops, and they are also, they've always been there, but just very quietly, again, turning out students who graduate, but then once they don't have access to an etching press, printmaking kind of dies. But there's a campus that will be built soon on my island, a mm-hmm. second campus for, and who knows, maybe I'll, I'll do a printmaking center there or something, So since I'm yeah. nearby. Otherwise, I have to identify, I have to locate these big etching presses that used to be around. They, they've been donated by the printmaker artists and, and sent over to other universities on different islands. But they're, they might not be in perfect condition. They, sh- they just need to be checked and restored, and then a workshop or a program developed around that for the local community. So that's down the road over the next few years is like establishing those bigger etching presses and hoping that maybe they'd be available to a larger printmaking group once they've learned how to make prints on smaller desktop etching presses. Yeah, so, or even yeah. I, I know that a big press can be a big pull for outside artists as well. So, you know, like the really large scale ones, like you find at a place like Kala, artists will travel for that just to have the opportunity to try and make something that you don't get anywhere else. So if yeah, if you could find them, that could be definitely a draw for more outside excitement. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That that's exactly one of the future goals because once those etching presses, the big ones, and once we could invite you know, printmakers from the U.S., Europe, abroad to come over, hold workshops for us. You know, that would be a new program. Going back to Elmer Berlongan and his Pasillo Press, 
that will become hopefully a center to go to. And that's on another island, Zambales. <laughs> so it's like, well, I need that map. I need I was I just, need to get I'm that just map was wishing together. for that map in that moment too. You're saying that. I just, yeah, I yeah. want it to look like one of those boards in the crime shows yeah. with all of the things, the pieces of string connecting it so you can understand oh, the, yeah. the wonderful be. world of Filipino printmaking. Yeah. yeah. It could be actually like this passport thing, you know, have a passport uh-huh. and get it stamped or printed on wherever you go so you can visit all the printmaking centers that Kamai has set up or something. We could have so much fun with that. We could have so much fun with that. Absolutely. I love that idea of, of a a printmaking event where you you can go around and you can collect a stamp, which is of course a print. Yes, um, yes. Collect a stamp and then you get I don't know, you get a a print at the end or something if you collect them right. all. <laughs> I know there's there's so many things. There's a print exchange because I we pulled it off once last year with Fundación Sanso. It was inspired by the Open Press Project, those Mm -hmm. little 3D printed presses. And when Open Press in Germany sent out a call for submissions, four of us printmakers here in the Philippines, we had presses. We'd either had them, you know, built from the open source or we had a press from Open Press. And so we joined it and found it was so exciting and so much fun. We decided to hold our own print exchange. And so I found 10, found 10 of us, and uh, Fundation Sanso mounted a little exhibition of these 7CM, 3-inch by 3-inch prints, and matted them, mounted them on such lovely uh, frames that uh-huh. gave it such gravitas as a print. <laughs> and then at the same time that that was exhibiting, we held a one-day print sale. So printmakers who could make it came over and sold their prints on the table. And it was 100% of the sales went to the printmakers. That was amazing. Mm. They simply hosted it. And that was so generous of them. And and all the printmakers were saying, so when are we going to do this again? When are we going to do this again? So I said, okay, let's try something October later this year. And that's going to be on another island. (laughs) Get that, sorry to ask such a, a, a basic question, but I, I've I've never been lucky enough to go to the Philippines. I've always wanted to. In terms of travel between islands, is it mostly plane and boat? You know, so if somebody is wanting to do a, a tour of of print shops and printmaking and print exchanges, how how what's the easiest way to get around? Well, <clears throat> if it's in Luzon, the major island where Manila is. There's a, yeah. a a very strong network of highways and and airplane plane rides. Everything would simply be just about within 2 hours of Manila. The middle group of islands is called the Visayas where I'm in. And so that would be an hour and a half from Manila by plane. You could try and take a 24-hour ferry ride boat, which I've heard is quite comfortable, but when you're on short time, you, you might not be able to avail of that. And then once you're among the middle group of islands called the Visayas, we do inter-island ferries. We can also cross over to the other side of the island through buses, comfortable air-conditioned buses. And then you take another ferry to, to hop-skip to another island. And that's all doable. From major airports located on major cities, you can also go further to Mindanao. 
And that to me is going to be the next frontier because mm. we, I have to find out where in Mindanao there might be artist groups or printmakers, as well as the other island called Palawan. It, it's also tied in because it's beautiful, 7,000 islands, the coasts and the beaches. It could be tied in so easily with tourism. Mm-hmm. And now they're, aside from food uh, tourism, slow food tourism, now there's arts and culture, aside from history tourism. The arts, and we could definitely tap into that tourism base because very interestingly enough, there was this very high-end resort that was looking for an artist in residence. So, well, why not a printmaker in residence? You know, it's so easy to make prints, I guess, that people, visitors could make prints and take away with them. Absolutely. I've always thought that that would be an incredible souvenir from visiting somewhere would be if you, if you were able to work with a local artist in collaboration and make your own work, but is such a beautiful part of that experience. So I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There is a, there's a gallery in Palawan, a remote, but beautiful Island that draws in a lot of tourists run by Gordon Snyder, who is a retired Canadian gallery owner. He opened a gallery there and he's supporting the local printmakers, the local, what we call rubber cut over here. Cause mm-hmm. it's rubber. We use rubber as the plate card plates. They used to just, paint those plates and sell the plates. Instead, he's telling them, make prints first on addition and then sell the plates. So he's he's like reporting and, and showing some really happy tourist visitors walking away yeah. with small prints, large prints. And and so I'm I'm so happy Gordon's there. And that's going to be it's also part of our network. Absolutely. That's so exciting. Angela, I want to ask you after hearing all of this, what did you study? What did you do for a living? You are such an organizer. Like I'm so impressed with these networks. And I'm like, was this something that was a part of your career? Because you just seem to have this incredible mind for connecting people and seeing a vision and and wanting to see it happen. Okay. Well, going back to college, I, I took up advertising. It's San Jose uh-huh. State University, and it was in media planning and buying, buying time and space for commercials at the time, not the internet. And it was the quickest way to get a job in, as a single mom supporting yeah. myself, even though I wanted to be, I think, a, either copywriter or study graphic design or something. But it was media planning. And with media planning, it's, it's talking to people and mm-hmm. learning and listening because they give you data. They give you information. And I have to distill it and make decisions. So it taught me how to listen and and talk with people, make presentations Mm. when I'm talking to clients. Then when the internet took over and I became a dinosaur in advertising (laughs) media, it's like I didn't want to deal with eyeballs. I went into, I, I became an office manager for a structural engineering firm in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about like logistics and yep. planning and deadlines and making structural engineers happy, solving their problems. You know, it, it, that was also training for, for all this. So with the knowledge of where was the safest place to move to in the Philippines with regard to earthquakes and volcanoes and, and landslides and tsunamis, this little island I'm on, Negros Occidental, is, is sort of 
ranked high according to all the structural engineering maps you know I could find. <laughs> uh-huh. So yes, that's my background in in I guess listening and connecting with people and then just maybe I have the the privilege and time to to stand back and look at a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. I, I just hear so many s- stories, anecdotes and and stuff from people around me. But I'm able to just maybe, I think, just look back, stand back and say, well, what if we did this? Or what do you think about this? And they'll go, yeah, why not? And I'll say, then let's do it. You know, let's do it. But then I find that I have the time to do it. And I think it's a, it's a rare privilege. And it's, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about it because there's, it gives me so much to do, so much mm. to think about, and so many great people. meeting them and connecting with them. Yeah. I think that that's, I don't know if it's too cliche to say, but that's such the gift of being in the arts is that a lot of times it's long hours and not ideal wages and a bit of uncertainty, but the humans who choose to live this life, they're just golden. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to talk with anyone else, you know, and it's such a gift. So Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more to explore here. I guess in my own small community of printmakers about talking about art and art making and where our the medium could be, even developing concepts, ideas, and then taking it to the next level of printmaking. I've been studying this this term called expanded printmaking. Mm -hmm. And uh, because more artists are coming into printmaking than those who studied printmaking in school, then they bring something fresh also and new. So there's no major studio yet that would be a collaborative print publisher, mm-hmm. but it, it's in the works. And it, again, we look to Kitty Kong and Cap Studio for inspiration about that. So it's so good. He's, he's like our, my coach and cheerleader too. So, oh, of course. So, that's you know, wonderful. That, that's Kitty Kong. Kong has such a a vision of more printmaking is good, full stop. Like he just, he doesn't have any of that. I don't know. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't like the kind of ego you can hear like worried about competition. He's just like, no, more printmaking in the world makes the world a better place. And that, that is his morality. (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. So he's so inspiring and I'm so glad that he's so generous and, and a good friend. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also thinking too, that idea of kind of expanded printmaking or expanded media. There's an institute at Alfred University called the Institute for Electronic Arts that does printmaking and publishing and then also expanded media side by side. And so that's sort of like, you know, really traditional stone lithography to like laser woodcuts to digital yes. prints. And so speaking of sort of international interests and partnerships and and that kind of a thing, I know that they've got interest in making international connections. They do a lot of work in China and in Argentina. I just did a residency with them. Oh, wow. In wow, February. Wow, wow. And so they're kind of front of mind for me. So that could be something that's interesting for you to look into a little bit in terms of, again, people out there who are, who are having that expansive view of what print media is. Yes. And then also looking at how do we support each other as a global printmaking network? 
Yes, yes. The the fundraising that we do, hopefully, if in the future could accommodate sending a printmaker abroad to take a residency with the notion that they would come back and share it, have workshops. Mm. That's That would be the conditional funding for residencies. If not, we hope to invite printmakers to come. I mean, hell, if you if you want to visit Asia and, and want a home base like the Philippines, where we speak English quite well enough to get around and uh, around and travel, make that the home base. Mm-hmm. And it's very cheap and colorful and warm and generous. Great people. food. Oh, yeah, great food. But yeah, there's lots... So people can just like contact me, printmakers. I'm I'm putting it out there. You you want to travel oh, nice. to the Philippines? Then then give me a just contact me. Well, I'm I'm sure everything you've said has absolutely lit some fires <laughs> of interest, and and I'm really excited to to hear more as it develops. So you'll have to come back on again another time. You know, I feel like you've had these sort of seeds of like, and this will happen soon, and this will happen soon. Yeah. So once you know, things have come to fruition. We'll definitely have you back on. And if people do want to get in touch with you or follow you on Instagram or propose a project or just say, hi, it was great to learn about Filipino printmaking. Where can they do that? On Instagram, I have one account. It's my name spelled backwards, Alejna Avlis. I don't know if you have to change it. <laughs> but it's my cyanotype printma- printing. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is Angela Silva Prints, because that's where I wanted to explore and support printmaking, my own and others. So those are the two Instagram accounts. And I'm also on Facebook and can be reached via Messenger. So thank you, Miranda, for for all this. And and it's so exciting just to talk to you about it. Oh, my gosh. I am so honored to be a vessel to share everything that you're doing and all of these exciting projects on the horizon. And I very much hope one day to visit and and see some of these things in person. And so thank you so much for the work that you're doing and and for sharing with, with us so beautifully. Well, I'll send you a map, an update on the map, Yay! because that's the only <laughs> way that we can show the progress and just, just little updates. Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, Angela. If you like today's episode, we have a Patreon, where you can help us keep the lights on and get bonus content. Like Shop Talk Shorts, where our editor, Timothy Pauschak, digs deep on materials, processes, and techniques with past guests. Also, if monetary support isn't in the cards right now, you can leave a review for us on your podcast listening app of choice, or buy something from one of our sponsors and tell them Hello Print Friend sent you. But as always, the very, very best thing you can do to support this podcast is by listening and sharing with your fellow print friends around the world. And that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Chema Scandal, a graphic designer and printmaker living in Chicago. We talk about his early influences in the vibrant art scene of Mexico City, how he came to use his iconic luchador mask in all public representations, collaborating with bands, his zine fest, and so much more. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.